Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to American Pale Males, your nerdy beer tasting podcast. Once again, we are live in the Jabroni Summer Series, not the true APM Pod Summer Series. I am joined by surrogate co-host of the show, Steve is here with you. Steve, yes. Filling in for Jeremy while he convalesces, which I think we established was a word. We'll see. We'll go for it. Yeah. Steve, get back into the routine so we're not freaking out the norms. We need to do a beer brag. Just to kick off the show, get us in the right mindset. Do you have a beer brag? I do. Okay. I acquired, through a trade of sorts, if that is even legal... Across state lines? No, no, it was not across state lines. Okay. It's probably legal. I traded a little bit homebrew. Okay. For some brew that somebody had acquired for me. Oh, interesting. It was Easy Eddie from Big Grove Brewery. Oh, because you made... Because we made Sleazy Eddie Eddie. was what we named it. Not that it was necessarily made in that same vein, Vein. but it was the same style. And we couldn't think of a good name, so we made Sleazy Eddie. Mm -hmm. Traded a little bit of that for of cans of Easy, Easy Eddie. Eddie. Okay, so this is the so this is the legit your marketed brew, whereas yours was brew. a home brew. Yes, and it was good. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Big Grove Brewery. It was a six point five ABV New England style hazy IPA kind of thing, juicy IPA, whatever yep, you want to call, call it. Yep, um, delicious. Four point five stars. Bottle cap yeah. stars out of five. <laughs> yes. As we established, bottle caps are on untapped. I should stars. say that yeah. <laughs> every time. <laughs> bottle cap stars. Instead of star. Yeah. Steps. Bottle cap star. Good. Well, I not, liked it. Yeah. And um, yeah. I think Jeremy has probably, he's probably bragged about it before. Praises, yeah. On the show before. I don't know that he's had the canned version. Oh. Probably had it. Probably had it on tap. IRL on on tap, tap but yeah. Um, but yes, they had like a small release of the cans one day, and mm-hmm. a former coworker of mine got some of those cans and saved a couple for me. So appreciate that. And then, yeah, yeah, swap some homebrew for that. That's yeah, a good bargain. Yeah, yeah. I believe you have given me some sleazy Yeti, so I'll have to uh, see how that goes. We have a, well, I shouldn't spoil it, but there is a New England hazy IPA, juicy IPA, whatever you want to call it, that we're going to have as part of the summer series, and maybe I'll have the Sleazy Eddie after that and kind of compare the two. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to both. It's awesome that you guys made uh, that salad beer and put a super excessive amount of citrus hops in there, as I have mm-hmm. been told. So, Yes, very much. Yes. So my beer brag... I don't know if it's a brag. It's more like a beer curiosity because you brought some beers with you for this in-person recording and then just some beers for drinking. And because of various reasons, one of those beers was a Caliber by Guinness. Caliber with a K, which the most notable aspect of that beer is it's a non-alcoholic beer. It's less than 0.5% alcohol. And this... Style of beer, style, this 
category of beer has always fascinated me. I've talked about it on the show before. Much to the chagrin. dismissal, chagrin of of the other host, Jeremy, but he's not here right now, so we can talk freely. And because I've, you know, I've never had non-alcoholic beer really I, that I can think of. I think the only other time I had non-alcoholic beer was when you were drinking it on a cruise <laughs> and you had Buckler and I probably had a sip. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I probably started imbibing Tom Buck, Collins. Buck Red Bulls. Yeah, all these dumb beers at the same time and dumb drinks. So I was a beer drinker back then, but I wasn't thinking critically about beer. So that was out the window. And so this is the first non-alcoholic beer that I've had with a critical tongue, I guess. And it was weird. It was, to me, it was not so much a beer as it was like a malt cider, which sounds really weird. Because without the alcohol there, it's like super malt forward. Or this one was, but it was like a light beer kind of malt. So it wasn't classic malty taste. But it wasn't, and I don't want to just say, oh, this was bad. I'd never drink it again. I would say it was the, in the situation where you cannot drink alcoholic beer, I would call it a acceptable replacement. To go to the prohibition term, it's near beer. It's nearly beer. But it lacks that certain zing pizzazz that beer has. And I guess that apparently is alcohol. <laughs> Boy, that makes me think about <laughs> why I like beer so much. Oh, no. Um, I was really glad to try a non-alcoholic beer. And I would never choose it over a regular beer. But if I had to drink non-alcoholic beer or, like, or I couldn't drink alcohol, I might switch over to that just to get that maltiness, that fizz like it. Has that mm-hmm. imitation that mm-hmm. satisfies on some level, but not quite to the degree that beer does. Overall, it made me more curious to try other non-alcoholic beers to see how much they compare. And on the show, we talked about some craft non-alcoholic beers, like non-alcoholic IPA and other styles that are more craft-oriented. So I'd be interested in trying those to see if they can conceal the lack of alcohol more than this one did. Because this one was pretty obvious that something's off about this beer, quote-unquote. So, yeah. Are you a coffee drinker? Time to time. I'm not like... I'm not like a psycho coffee drinker, but I do drink. As far as like calf versus decaf. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. It is analogous in that regard, now that you say that. But I don't drink coffee. Mm -hmm. But what I've heard is there's like weird flavors it's like to, bitterness to and yeah like decaf like, kind of has this, like something's not quite here it's right like yeah it kind something of pales in a little bitterness a little yeah, zing and maybe it's even um neurological where it's like i'm not getting that right. chemical in my brain so something's off but yeah i would say it's a little more exaggerated than decaf calf but i think the analogy stands mm-hmm. overall so that's a good yeah that's a good way to put into a practical perspective because i'm sure there's lots more decaf drinkers out there than non-alcoholic beer drinkers right is a, a poo said in that one episode of the simpsons that you know lisa asks what if somebody wants a non-alcoholic beer and apu says well you know it's never come up and then they <laughs> open the door to the non-alcoholic beer and they go to a <laughs> garden on the rooftop <laughs> so um <laughs> i think that's kind of apt 
So this has been Caffeine Bray. Caffeine Bray. Wait a minute. <laughs> now, Steve, I understand you have a little challenge for me. Yeah. We talked about not double stuff Oreos, mega stuff Oreos, which essentially equates to more than a triple stuff. I, yeah. It kind of scales. Maths. Yeah. The math based on calories told us it was essentially a triple stuff. A little more than a triple stuff, I think. If a double stuff Duff. was exactly a double right. stuff of the original, stuff. right? Which we, which we just, I mean, we just assumed. Right, an assumption was made. Right, a postulate. So you said, like, after that, after that recording, where like we did all of our rundown on that, and then just now before this recording, you're like. Obviously, with as a kid with single stuff warrior, the classic thing is to give it that twist. Twist, give it that twist, and uh, put two Oreos together. And I think that was probably the advent of the double stuff. Correct. And then, In like my opinion, yeah. And then when double stuff came out, they you twist and put a cookie and the filling, a cookie and a filling from another one, and put them together for a double double stuff. But you took. These mega stuff Oreos with one F, and you combined two of those together for some monstrosity. So I'm glad you took a picture of this because, like, it's so much cream. Just, it's so much cream. And it, we made before going into this, so I'm going to do this on mic. We said the rule would be I have to eat it in one bite, which in itself it it's a huge. I mean, that's like a half. Half an inch, would you say, of cream? Gosh, a centimeter for sure. Yeah, it's it's larger than the width of my pinky, more or less. Um, at the yeah, that's uh, a lot of cream. That's a lot of cream. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we just, we talked about how it like when we were eating these mega, mega stuff, stuff. It was like it appeared that there was just two of them jammed together yeah. initially. And now it looks we like there's four. Took those apart and jammed an additional together. So yeah. there's like four distinct layers of right. cream in between the two tiny little chocolate wafer cookies. And as you said before, it was already like a bit too much. And like you could taste, like just the ratio is too much frosting. And like you could taste, oh, you know, the frosting is good, but. Now that I'm having too much of it, it's a little too sugary, gritty, vanilla-y intense. And now it's obviously it's just going to, the thermometer is going to burst and spray mercury out all over. This isn't even quadruple stuffed, is it? It's like, it's like double mega. What would you just I guess. Um, oh God, I dropped it. This sounded like a, like, nothing happened. Just the cream absorbed. <laughs> oh, the impact. <laughs> um, I guess this would be sextuple stuff. To, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Am I beating around the bush to avoid it? Maybe. Eat it. Eat it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> it just all went in all at once. Now I'm in a way. I don't remember what our initial ratings were previously, but... Part of my chewing, it's a lot of material. <laughs> the frosting kind of melts away as it gets, like, to body temperature in your mouth, which is nice. Since there's so much of it. Mm-hmm. So, God. Oh, my God, it doesn't quit. 
in my teeth, there was like these crevices in my mouth. I'm just like, but earlier today we had cookies and cream ice cream. Delicious. Delicious ice cream. I would say this is, this experience is the equivalent of like room temperature cookies and cream ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's like, there's so much cream that it, like the ratio of like cookies and cream ice cream. It's basically like if cookies and cream ice cream, like if you took all the ice cream and like and kept the cookies in there and replaced the ice cream with Oreo filling. <laughs> that's seriously, that's what it tastes like because the cookie is there, but no, the cream predominates. So if Oreo filling took the place of the ice cream and cookies and cream ice cream and you had the bits of Oreo floating around there, that's what it's like. So it's like room temperature ice cream at that point kind of gritty and (laughs) makes you really thirsty have a little pc pills from the previous beer brag left over would i recommend you do that no again i think the double stuff is probably the optimal ratio of cookie to cream or the thin oreo which is a new thing too i don't know have you had the thin wafer oreo so it's basically like not as much of the cookie, which about the standard amount of cream. Okay. Because to me, the regular so it's like Oreo is conscious, so you just eat right. more of them. Yeah, basically. you eat more of them. But to me, the regular bog standard Oreo is too much chocolate cookie. Mm-hmm. The double stuff is the right amount, but then you're eating double stuff. But the thin cuts down on the um, the cookie part and makes a good ratio. Anyway. This was out the window. This is way too much. Don't do it unless your friend tells you to on a dare or a bet or something like that. So Okay. Not as good as the double stuff. Double stuff. Yeah, the double mega stuff, the mega stuff itself, and then the double stuff is the best probably. So Nabisco, hiss up, send us some samples. Yeah. Get us them double stuff. Give weird flavors. We'll write on the show. This is a beer podcast. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Nabisco. Nabisco. All right, Steve. Forget all that nonsense. Let's get into the FDR. What, what is that? Is that? Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm supposed to say it. The FDR is where we find a beer, drink a beer. And then we rate it based on our, you know, how we feel about it. I feel like you should define beer, though, since it's such a broad... Oh. Okay, no, 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 let's do that later. Well, it is a barley wine today. Yeah. Um, And we have a kind of a special beer because we're face-to-face. A bit of a doozy. A bit of a doozy. From the Game of Thrones Royal Reserve Collection... We have Hand of the Queen, a barley wine ale, a beer for Tyrion, a full-bodied expression of a classic, rich, and multi-barley wine ale, brewed for those who drink and know things. Oh, that's like one of his lines in the show. Mm -hmm. 10.7% ABV. And Steve, much like the show, there's lots of words associated with this beer on the bottle why don't you give the uh rundown of what is on the bottle there's like size yeah six font on the Very back small. yeah um as the as the war for the seven kingdoms rages to a climax 
Omagang. Is that how you say that? Yes, that's Omagang. Or Omagang. Omagang. Omagang presents the Royal Reserve Collection. This collection of four exclusive and extremely limited release ales available in 2018 is brewed as an homage to the four epic figures still standing against the annihilation of mankind. Hand of the Queen, a beer for Tyrion, is first in the series, a bold interpretation of a classic barley wine ale, rich and full-bodied, offering intense notes of dark fruit and malty sweetness. This is a beer for those who drink and know things. (laughs) Hand of the Queen is our inaugural example of what a court brewer would offer their noble lord, perfect balance and pure drinking pleasure, for which all Omagang ales are well known. That was... It's, okay. HBO. Oh, okay. Home box office. <laughs> Official HBO licensed product. 2018 <laughs> Home Box Office Incorporated. Steve, for your first major read on the show, and coming from a person who botches it very frequently, that was an excellent read. Especially considering how many words there were and uh, the size font on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I can read things okay sometimes. <laughs> Just don't ask me to think about it. <laughs> You're right. The comprehension always bit me in the butt, too. I have more on the website here. Maybe, I won't, maybe I'll try to keep it short. Much like the books in the Song of Fire and Ice series. Is that the book series name? I feel like I'm botching. That's one of the books. Or is that a Robert Frost poem? Order? Ice and Fire? I feel like Fire and Ice is that Magic the Gathering card. Oh, the one with like two cards in one and then it's blue and red? Song of Ice and Fire. That seems That sounds better. Okay, here. I don't think this was part of your text. Brewed with a complex blend of specialty malts. Does this sound familiar? And carefully selected old world hops. No, that sounds different. Hand of the Queen is a rich, full-body version of a classic barley wine and comes in at... Uh, that ten... part was in there. Oh. But not the first part. Malt forward and uh, multifaceted. The beer balances the intense flavors of brandy-soaked raisins and dark fruit with the lighter notes of apricot. Apricot. Hints of molasses and toffee are evident before a finish characterized by the classic yet distinctive barley wine alcoholic heat. Hand of the Queen, an old world example of the style, attempts to maintain the balance of these strong yet unruly opposing forces, much like the way Tyrion maintains a balance of power among his influential contemporaries in Westeros. Way to put it together. So what I'll be interested to see, they always say these like subtle like raisiny tones and mm-hmm. apricots. Does that actually come through? Will Tyrion actually come through in the end and save Westeros from certain annihilation? Annihilation from who? Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> there's many. Well, there's pretty much one main annihilation point <laughs> now. Um, but yeah, for those not in the know, Tyrion is played by Peter Dinklage, and I, I would say he's a fan favorite in the show because he does not use force to get his way out of tricky situations, which he has found himself in many over the course of this show slash books, but he uses his wit and his mind. He's come very far because of that. Mm-hmm. He's noble and has found himself with the low lives and has crawled his way back up to being in nobility. And, and also 
He drinks a lot. Has, yeah, we have a little bit of a drinking problem, <laughs> yes. so we're all, we're all on board. Yes, okay. Have you read the books, though? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Are you, like, caught up? Yeah. Are you mad that no book has come out? Not mad, but are you like, yeah. come on. Yeah. I would rather read, granted, read now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have time for that. Yeah, right. Um... But I probably would rather read what was going to happen rather, rather than, than watch. Because, yeah, the show has passed the books at this point. So it'll be interesting to see if the books end up with a different conclusion than the show. Because they're kind of being written like independently that. of each other. But Ray Cerveza getting some Oh, God. I don't know if he has the right angle on this one. Oh. Oh. Ooh. Thank you, Ray. Hard work, Ray. And let's pour this barley wine. Now, barley wines, I sometimes good, sometimes a little too much. Yeah, I'd say it's a style that I haven't delved into yeah. much myself. I will only get it like at random. I, I rarely get it in a bottle. I will only get it random at like brew pubs. Yeah. It's kind of like a, oh, barley wine. That sounds crazy. And then I have it. I'm like, well, was that good? I don't know. And this is a huge, this is bigger than a bomber. This is like a one pint, 9.4 fluid ounces. I'm not getting milliliters on here, which would be much. That's probably 750, like I imagine. Wine, like a wine bottle wine. almost looking. I mean, essentially this is a bottle of wine at the ABV that it's at. Yeah. So, so let's, finish let's drink this up. So it poured with about. Couple centimeters of head on there, which is maintaining very well. It seems mm-hmm. to be a very rich beer. The color, pretty dark. Blue. Pretty dark. Yeah, you hold it up to the light, and then you do get like this dark, dark brown. Mm-hmm. But it like, like looking at it, not against the light. It yeah. just seems like a dark, very, uh, you're very almost yeah, black, black even. Almost yeah. Black. The smell. I guess we'll go for that. There's a little of that dried, fruity, raisiny. Smell coming out of there. Maltiness. Yeah. A little, little bit of maltiness. Kind of like a licorice maybe, to some extent. A little bit of, yeah, a little bit of that kind of fruity. Yeah, like dank not, fruit. Yeah, not crazy in the smell. Right. Me, it's, you, you have to really kind of that breathe in. It's in not there. like I'm smelling it from a foot away, like with other beers we had, where it's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. It's a big smell bomb. Steve's going in for the sip. Initial sip, the sip of initiation. <laughs> um, there's definitely the. Ooh. It's good. There's definitely alcoholy afterburn. I'm getting mm-hmm. a bit with the ten. What was it? Ten and a half. Ten point seven. Correct. Like yeah. That. Feeling a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. I actually had a sample of a barley wine not too long ago, and it's really easy to like take it in one extreme direction, like. This is too alcoholy burn. This is too mm-hmm. hoppy. This is too raisiny. But this one is, on first blush, it's pretty balanced, like they said. Um, it does maintain kind of every yeah, flavor. Yeah, the aspects yeah. of the barley wine that you would kind of expect. and doesn't mm-hmm. go overboard mm. with any of them. And the alcohol isn't too... I no. Mean, there's a bit for, of it, but not like... It's not like not you're shuddering, you swallowing it, yeah. 10, 10 plus percent mm-hmm. or whatever, like, masks it fairly well. I don't feel a whole lot of those 
fruity notes right that, that they were mentioning the intricate like, ones mm-hmm. that are like like apricot i don't necessarily like mm-hmm. pick out independently no i'm not getting that there is a general undercurrent haha current current <laughs> <laughs> of fruitiness there of dried mm-hmm. dates raisins yeah. type just yeah kind of that flavor but mm-hmm. but it's not like one it's not like ooh that's cherry it's ooh that's apricot it's current current <laughs> it's just a nice bevy of fruit notes mhm mm. it's a sipper you know it's mm-hmm. want to slam it but i it does a good job of masking that like you said that abv i like that part about it i like the overall flavor profile too um, multi sweetness, multi sweetness, yeah. Dark roast, how they describe that. The intense notes of dark fruit and multi sweetness. Um, Do you feel like you know more things now that you've drank it? Drunken, drinking it, drinking it. Should I be like in the middle of a big plan to overthrow a government and like walk over to my decanter and pour in more <laughs> and take a sip and turn towards my adversary? The choice is in your hands. Is that a Dinklage? That's my best like line I could think of that he might say. I somehow have somebody fight for my honor and throw him through a moon door. And if you don't know what a moon door Spoiler. is, <laughs> I didn't say who got thrown through a moon door. I just said somebody did. Oh God, we're drinking a beer. Okay, <laughs> all right, back to that to that FDR mm. thing. Um, it, it does remind me of a quad a little bit. But it's not that, yeah, just the the general malty profile and that, yeah, the fruity profile. But it's not as heavy-handed as a quad. It's actually a little delicateness to it. Delicateness? That's a word. Yeah. I think we'll say it is. There's some delicateness to it versus a quad, which I just feel smacks you in the mouth and leaves. Whereas this is like, dances across your tongue and leaves. Mm Mm-hmm. No, but I'm liking it overall. Um, yeah. I can't really say too much about it. Like the I mean, flavor, yeah, it's, to me, the f- standardish. I would say, what, yeah, like it's. I mean, it's good flavor. Right. It's got good maltiness in it. There, it's got a good amount of alcoholy burn that you would expect right. from a barley without wine. going overboard. Barley wine, a good good example you, of that. Exactly, type, I was gonna say I like had a ton of those. It, it's still. It still hits me as like, oh yeah, this is this a barley, is a barley wine. wine. Yep, that's that's what I would expect. Mm-hmm. So if you like barley wines, this go for it. This will, yeah. I think if you like Game of Thrones, go for it. If you like, like Peter Dinklage, go go for, for it. it. Like you like other things and that Peter Dinklage <laughs> has done, like Destiny. Yeah, He's in that for a while. This wizard is from the moon. The moon. I'm just gonna say, <laughs> was he ever? Did they take him out completely from Destiny? Oh, yeah. They put uh, what's his face in from different voice actor or yeah, the dude from what is that game? Another called? game, the PlayStation exclusive game where you're like a like the Tomb Raider of oh Nathan Drake, Nathan Drake from oh yeah, he that's a that game is called. The game series. Uncharted. Uncharted. They put him. That's a really like Nolan North. North. Okay. He became the new the new Dinkle. <laughs> the wizard on the moon. Yeah. And they cut that line out. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think that line got cut out. Yeah. Um, 
little video game knowledge for you. Because we're drinking this, and for those who drink and know things, and we know things, so (laughs) we know things about Peter Dinklage (laughs) getting cut from a video game. No, but I agree with your assessment, because I was... as you were saying that, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I would say, too. It's like, I don't want to say prototypical. I would say this is like a gold standard barley wine. Yeah. And if you like barley wines, you're going to like this. And even if you don't like barley, or if you're like, I don't know if I like barley wines, you should try this one because it's a really good example of it. Mm-hmm. It's not offensive. It doesn't lean too much in one direction. It's not heavy handed of the queen. Um, I see what you did Steve is raising the bottle over his head to smash it over mine with that bad (laughs) pun Um, and I'm I'm liking it overall Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna say I'm the town crier of barley wines but um, there's a good one I'll probably like it more than your average beer and this is a really good one I think so maybe that's going to the ratings yeah I, I agree with what you've said there uh, it does what it's supposed to do, I'd say. Again, not a huge proponent of barley B-dubs. wines. I can't. Yeah. Like I feel like they're. They're like, not. I feel like I can barely even name right two that I've had. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I can picture one, and I'm sure I've had more. But like, I think I've only had one of like the Great Dane local. Okay. microbrewery around here. I feel like there's a Sierra Nevada one or something. Oh, yeah, that sounds right. Like yeah. Like a Sasquatchy looking thing. There's not like a lot of mass-produced bottled barley wines outside of Bombers, probably. Yeah, yeah And even in too. Bombers, probably not that common. And when it comes to Bombers, I buy barrel-aged stouts. So. Yes, right, yeah. <laughs> so, yes. So, yeah, it's it's good. I like it. I might just... Give it a rating here. Okay. If you don't mind. SOJ. So judgment. Good beer, good barley wine, good good example of the style, gold it's standard, like you said. I drinkable like it. too. I think yeah, maybe we didn't say that. Not, I hate that word, but it fits for this. I can keep going in without yeah, yeah. And what you would expect. I mean there is that alcohol mm-hmm. You're right. there and there is the, more intense flavors, kind of dried fruity yeah. flavor. There there's a the maltiness, but it's not like crazy malty. Yeah. So I feel like I need another SOJ. SOJ number two. I'm going in. We're using tulip glasses again, by the way. Gosh, it's hard to give it a rating. It's hard to like compare it to something. Right. And I think. And I w- feel like that's what I try to do sometimes. Or I don't know, try to do that when I give it a rating. Like, right. What, what did I rate this? What is yeah. this? And what is it comparable to this? Mm-hmm. Like, instead of me. I just need to rate right with your heart. Unprecedented yeah. SOJ3. SOJ3. Maybe it is precedent. It's, it's rare, though. I will say, I'm, I'm based on my rating, I'm kind of comparing it to quads because I probably have had more quads than barley wines, but. Yeah. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it four stars. I, I, I nodded like my I'm, head. That's probably not a good thing to do on a podcast, but yes, I nodded my head. And, and I feel like I'm lowballing this thing a little mm-hmm. bit. Like it's. It's a good beer, mm-hmm. and it and it deserves it. It's just not my style of yeah. choice, so yeah. it's not. I f- there's other things that I would rather go for, Reach for than a barley yeah. wine, but this, I mean, it's and it's hitting the spot right now. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. four stars, good solid, but kind yeah, of premium I, type beer. Yeah, wouldn't 
wouldn't besmirch anybody for right. rating it yeah. higher or even a little bit lower. Yeah. But yeah. Nice. Solid. So give it a rating, Michael, so I can besmirch you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking over to the decanter. I'm oh, yeah. filling it. Right. And I'm making a smarmy comment. And then we're going to cut to a scene of Jon Snow breathing heavily as he is in an intense scene of action. And I'm going for my sip of judgment. What kind of action? What kind of action? I wasn't sure if it was action action. Or, or sexy, sexy action. action. We get a little bit of each for this. Yes. This is action action. Okay. Because this podcast is not explicit. And apparently violence is not as bad as sexual content in America. <laughs> I think we're like exactly on the same page. I just think I'm maybe more of a fan of this style than you. I'm going to give it a 4.5. I think this is probably the best barley wine I've had. And like I said, I'm not like barley wine is my number one style of beer, but mm-hmm. it if it if it's done right, I like it a lot. And I think this is done very well. I think Omagang with their history of making heavy hitting beers and more like Belgian style beers or like three philosophers like kind of blends and stuff like in this neck of the woods. I think they're a good brewery to do something like this. And I think they have done it well. And I think, like I said, this is like a gold standard to compare other barley wines that I have in the future against because this one's just nice and balanced. It's easy to drink while being a very strong beer at the same time. It's not too much of this, it's not too much of that. It's kind of right on the money, so um, I can't really think of too much to say, like, I wish it had more of this or less of this. It's really good across the board. Any sort of points that I'm taking away from it is just because it's maybe not my number one flavor of choice, kind of like you. And I think we just fall back a little differently in that regard. And so, yeah, I give it a 4.5 for all that. Yeah. There is one thing I can say against it is the only way you can probably enjoy this is sharing it with somebody. Yeah, it, it's too much. It's too much because even between you and I, like, this is, like, I mean, this is essentially splitting a bottle of wine between two people at 10 points. Maybe a little, what, wine is What's the 15-ish? So, still. Yeah, and so you couldn't, like, come home and just be like, oh, I'll just enjoy a hand of the queen. No, you're done for the rest of the night if you... Right slam one of these by yourself um so yeah you have to kind of have it for a special maybe game of thrones viewing party there you go but no episodes will air in 2018 so i think yeah 2019 is yes so stay tuned to release a book maybe (laughs) yeah Uh, that's been uh i think even the diehards have given up on a book (laughs) coming out Oh. Porch Jor R R is he's an older man who probably um so let's hope to George R R and to the final season of Game of Thrones. But in any case, that's another one down the gullet. Uh if you want to check us out, you can do so in many ways. Facebook.com slash APM pod, Twitter, APM pod there. You can email us directly, APMPod at gmail.com and check us out on Untap. We're host emeritus Mike. I'm Bombadil of the show. Keeps up with all of our ratings there. Can he be the Dinklage of the show for this episode? Yeah, Mike, you're the Peter Dinklage of the show because you know many things and you, what, I keep forgetting. Drink, yeah, you, beer and no things. 
those who drink and know things. I think that describes Mike. He knows things. He's defeated the machine every once in a while. So, and Mike's first machine. So, um, and he enjoys a drink because he's post emeritus. So, Peter Tom Dinklage, Bombadil of the show. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks, Mike, for that. And uh, but yeah, we'll leave it at that. So, for Steve, for Jeremy, I've been Michael. <laughs> Mess me up more. Jeremy for Michael, I've been Steve. And you've been listening to American Pale Males. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>